This is the Personal Finance Show. Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. Eric Arnold's personal finance story is not for the risk-averse. Eric is what you might call a serial entrepreneur. Whatever people have in their brain that prevents them from taking huge risks, yeah, Eric doesn't have that. What does this mean for Eric? Well, it means when the rest of us were working our 9-to-5s, making spreadsheets for bi-weekly paychecks, Eric was building businesses. Some did very well and some did not. With success comes failure, but Eric learned something from every business. Today, Eric is CEO of Planswell, a company that provides free financial plans to Canadians. Planswell is doing great, having raised $13 million to date and so far providing free financial plans to over 100,000 Canadians. But a lot happened before Planswell was even an idea. Here's Eric to take us through his personal finance story. My first real experience with money was when I was 10. I had opened a bank account to uh, to start getting paid for my paper route. And I, I remember being offered the opportunity to knock on people's doors um, and say, hey, look, as a, as a service offering, like for, or as a... It was called Service Plus, and it was based on having good service. They would They would want to buy this coupon booklet from me. And it was $5 and I got to keep $3 from each sale. And I was making okay. two or three times more than I was making delivering newspapers just by selling this coupon book. So I was like hustling, knocking on doors. This was in addition to the papers or a separate yeah. company? This was, this was the same newspaper yeah, yeah. Gave, gave these coupon booklets for like, like Dairy Queen and stuff. Oh, they, were, yeah, they were good yeah, coupons and you sold them. And it was a way to ask for a tip. You're like panhandling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was killing it. I was like, and they, they actually published it in the newspaper, like who had the best like service plus like revenue. Mm-hmm. And I was always uh, top of the charts. So. so you had this bank account. Do you remember like, did you, did you learn about like oh, working hard for yeah, money? I do. I saw, right. So like I'm, I'm 10 years old and I open this account and, uh, and I'm making, I think I'm making 25 or $30 a week from newspapers. And then I'm making an extra $60 from uh from service plus wow, uh, sales sounds like good money for 10 it was good yeah <laughs> i was i was doing well this was up in aurora for delivering the air banner okay and uh and i remember my parents saying look you got to start putting away 25 dollars a month for like saving for the future so i ended up going okay. I, I, got, I remember being told i was getting a blue chip equity mutual fund <laughs> you had the at 10 that's what I, no yeah, that's what I you had. got you out of your first blue chip equity mutual fund at yeah. 10 years old okay yeah, yeah. and Whatever, like, I mean, was there, is there more to that? Did whatever happen to that blue chip equity mutual fund? I, I put $25 a month away for, for years. Yeah. Um, and I got it up to, I think I got up to a couple, to maybe it was like $3,000 by the time I was like 15. Okay. And, uh, and then my parents told me that they had to take the money. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Why? Was, what? Uh, I believe it was a, for a bunkhouse at the cottage. <laughs> Um, what? This is your money. Not anymore. Is it your, is it your bunkhouse at least? 
It was for fun guys for me to sleep in, yeah, because okay. there was no room for me to sleep. I was sleeping on the couch or something. <laughs> they, they got this car. Were you and, like heartbroken or disappointed or just did you understand? I think it was embarrassing for them. I don't, okay. I don't remember being too... I remember like feeling that this was not right. This was unjust. Awesome. But it was, that was, that was part of growing up. Like our household was always like one that would stretch for, for things that probably really shouldn't be buying. So that was like my family's buying a cottage that they can't afford and yeah. a boat that they can't afford. And it wasn't like I was living in poverty. Like I was living no, this like no. upper middle class lifestyle, but like it was just too much for what they could afford. It's just a little bit too much. And I think a lot of people do that now, right? Yeah. People think, oh, I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. So I can, we can get this because like we'll keep making money and then, oh, you know, we'll put a little bit on the card and, mm-hmm. and that, that'll be it. Then we'll pay it off. And yeah. So but, that was, that was our uh, life. Yeah. And okay. So, but you lived a, a, a good, you had a good upbringing. Yeah. I, I remember on Wednesdays, uh, sometimes having to dig through the back of the cupboard and find like old cans of club soda to like make a lunch in some capacity okay. to, to go yeah. to school. And, and that was because payday was on Thursday and there just wasn't groceries. And... So a paycheck to paycheck sort of situation. And, and, yeah. and so did that, did that teach you anything? Did you learn anything from that? Like you were like, I don't want this to be me. I think that experiencing food scarcity mm, yeah. in any capacity, I think can have a very okay. like impactful um, yeah, experience for people. I, I've, I've, I've met a lot of very successful people and, and kind of learned about their past and their history and growing up. And I, and I find that there's a commonality in, in people who have experienced food scarcity and like, something to drive them. Yeah. I don't want to go through this again. And, th- and there's very simple things you can do to not go through it. Right. Yeah. So why not take those steps? Like why take the chance that you might experience that? So, yeah. so you had that kind of feeling instilled in you at that time. Mm hmm. Okay, so your three thousand bucks is gone, or whatever it was that. But you're still working in as a teenager. Uh, yeah, I worked, you, worked all the way coupon through. books all, all throughout high school, or no? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I ran birthday parties through the town of Aurora, and uh, like every an event promotion, like that. Yeah, of... <laughs> like kids' birthday parties and sure. summer camps, and okay, all yeah. those programs. And I taught the babysitting course, and then uh, and then I started doing some more entrepreneurial stuff. I had like a driveway ceiling company. Okay. Um, so were you 18, something like that? Or like still I teenager? I was 16, 16 17 okay. around that time. Why driveways? Like what? Like people out a bunch of cracks in their driveway and you see a problem? I was sealing my it? driveway okay, and, yeah. and a neighbor that I like loosely knew like walked by and he was like commenting on the driveway sealing product I was using and he was saying, you know, I work for this driveway sealing like manufacturer. It's called Black Knight. And he's like, I could get you a bucket of that for like five bucks. You should ask. Wow. And I paid like 30 at Home Depot. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, that's okay. A, that sounds like an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it's like, how many could you get me at five dollars? He's like, a whole garage worth. As many as you need. So, so I started, oh, no, I, started I don't know these, what's coming, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like it. So I'm knocking on doors and I'm selling driveway ceiling and it's, uh, we're rolling it on. And so you're doing the labor. Okay. So you, you're like, I, I'll seal your driveway and you, what did you give them like a flat rate? Cause you knew you could include the sealant in it yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It was like 50 bucks or whatever it was. I'm and like, sure. We we had all these kids doing it with me. We all had chemical burns all over our legs because we we're doing it in shorts and like we didn't know what we we're doing. <laughs> what like what what kind of product is it? It's uh, like a really thick black acrylic paint. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and you're you're rolling it on with rollers because 
the, the most of the all the companies out there do, do with a spray. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we would roll it on it. Would, it would do a better job. I'm selling. And it was it like fumes coming up that would burn you, or like you just got if some it got of it on, on your you. if it got on your skin and you didn't take uh, it off, off right away, it would yeah. leave like red welts and okay. stuff. And, yeah. yeah. There was probably a warning label that told you that. Wear that, pants. Uh, yeah. That was <laughs> the, <probably laughs> just wear. It's it just said wear pants. It's hot out. I don't big, know. <laughs> in big letters on on this, but okay. So that was like entrepreneurial thing. One, you made some money, but got some. Uh, scars. <laughs> yeah. And what are you doing with this money now? Are you keeping it uh, far away from your parents? <laughs> I was just spending You're it. You're spending it. Just, so yeah, yeah, at this point, it's spending. Yeah. I'm just spending it, enjoying, enjoying lifestyle. It was always important to me going through school to have like the means to do what I wanted independently sure. of like okay, my parents yeah. providing that. Um, so I always worked more than my friends did and I always had more money than my friends did. And I, I think I felt like a status and recognition in that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, that was, that was important to me. Did you keep doing this through to paper school or how did you then go to, you, you went to college, university? Yeah. I worked at Starbucks for a little while, but, uh, I had, a um, another company that was an electronics liquidation company. So, okay, yeah. um, another opportunity, I guess, that just kind of presented or where, I don't even remember how we actually originally met the guy, but we basically were selling Xbox 360s at the time. This was like a big thing. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I found this guy that would sell them to me for $150 and I could sell them on eBay for $250. This is like this weird warehouse by like New York University. Um, and we were buying so many of them and selling them. And then we started to think like maybe we can cut this guy out because you go to this guy's warehouse and he has every possible thing. It's like a Best Buy has been jammed into a warehouse. And he just has a wholesale connection that he got this stuff from or where does he get right. it? Right. So he's shipping it from Best Buy literally sure. in, okay. in, in Los Angeles and it's ah, coming all the way up to Toronto. And then he's liquidating it. And, and so we were like, we can cut this guy out. So we start looking for the same kind of sources and we find that what they do is when people return stuff, 25% of the time it's because it's broken. Okay. 75% of the time it's buyer's remorse or they didn't like the color yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's still good. Nothing wrong with it. The packaging, if, it, if it's fine, they put it back on the shelf. But if the packaging is damaged, they throw it into a huge box and they put it on a manifest. They write down what, what's there. When oh. the box gets full, they auction it off or they liquidate it. Okay. And it's sold generally for 95% less than what they originally paid, like what Best Buy paid. Wow. Um, so it's like free. Yeah, basically. So, so you get like a, a an eighteen wheeler with I think it's thirty two pallets, skids, like huge boxes, and it would cost like ten, fifteen thousand dollars for like a quarter million dollars worth of electronics. Would you have to buy time. that much at once? <clears throat> yes. Okay, then that's the that's the deal. That's why no everyone's not showing up at the auction. Right. So did did you raise that capital? Yes. So <laughs> so we did that. Okay, but let's go back. How old are you again? I would have been nineteen at okay, this point. Okay, so at yeah. nineteen, but you're in you haven't gone to school yet or you are in school? This is during school. During this like is university. First year, first year, first year university. university. That's okay. What, it is. what did you take in university? Major undecided. Major okay. Undecided. Yeah, that's what Very I popular that yeah. one. But so that what kind of courses are you taking in first year? Oh, all, all kinds. All yeah. of them. But then, and then at the end of the first year, you're supposed to just decide what your major okay. is. Okay. I didn't do that. I never went in to tell them. Um, and so then they assigned it as geography because that was my best mark in my first year. Okay, great. Yeah. So it's not like you're like, you took a business course and you're like, uh, you knew how to do this stuff already. You're doing arbitrage while everyone else is like, I don't know. You're probably getting drunk too, but everyone else is getting drunk in high school and you're like, I can figure out how to make tremendous profits. So my goal was always to make $200,000 a year. Okay. So that before I finished school, so that I could drop out of school. Where'd you get that number? 
I just thought that that was the right number. I, I mean, it's, I don't it's know a why. nice number. I just remember that being the number since like grade school. Like that was always my goal. So you just started experimenting. Yeah. And with ways to do this. And yeah, I never achieved it, but <laughs> okay. I, was, so, I dropped out anyways. That was, I'm jumping ahead of the story here. But. So how did you raise this 10 or 15,000? What, what was it? Do you remember how much it was? I, it was, so the first, the first truckload would have been in the 10, 15,000 range. We did, we did four truckloads. Oh, wow. In like two months. Okay. <laughs> we were moving product for so sure. The, who had the capital? Uh, other, other rich students? It was my friend and I that did it. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we borrowed some money from, from my mom and from his dad. We got a truckload and it was like 10 grand. And so then you have to test everything. So we got, we have, yeah, okay. You, I'm living in my mom's house. My friend had moved into like my basement and you can imagine what $250,000 worth of stuff from Best Buy looks like. <laughs> um, so every single oh room God. in the house is piled to the ceiling and, What's the range of stuff? Like you, obviously video games and stuff, like video game systems, yeah. but also like what? Micro, uh, microwaves and popcorn makers? And cords and, and printers. Oh, okay. And yeah. Everything. Did you have to test the cables to make sure they work too? Yeah. So for, for car stereos was a big one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not, is that still a thing? Maybe it was a, th- like, I don't know. I feel like in high school, everybody had their own I think custom you can car still stereos. take like removable ones and yeah. that you can take with you and so they don't get stolen. Is that maybe, what maybe nicer cars just don't need that or whatever but I don't yeah know, but it's I, all spotify yeah now, right isn't it? <laughs> but I, so that was so the decks we, we'd have uh maybe you'd have like 50 or 100 decks like piled up in the garage and, and those were a hard one to, to test but uh we had this board of wood with with screws that were strategically screwed in measured and so that and then the wires were all attached to the screws for the okay. speakers so you just press this block of screws up to the back of the thing and it just fit perfectly and it would just come to life and turn on and you listen to music and sometimes like rear left speaker is blown like in the, in the actual components to it. And, and you throw that one in the garbage. But uh, if it all works, then you put it in the good pile and you list it on eBay and, and you sell okay, it. So eBay was your way. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it the, always eBay? This was 2007. Yeah. Okay. So how much did you clear say for the first one? Well, you did it four times. So yeah. the first one, yeah. what's your, so there was, your profit? There was some profit. Probably was a couple of thousand bucks. We weren't really tracking it too much. We were just okay. spending the money. There was, yeah. there was lots of cash. In my underwear drawer. Yeah. At most, most but of you the time. But you knew you were, so you were recovering your, your, you were able to pay people back for yeah. their investment. And then you had anything was extra was gravy. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't track it that well. So we, like we'd still have inventory when we ordered the next truckload. So we may not have been profitable yet. Sure. We're just hoping we would be. And then we'd order another one and, and we take all the stuff that had something wrong with it. Like the deck that only worked on three speakers. Yeah. Um, we never tested the printers because we couldn't get the ink cartridges and all that stuff. Yeah, it was seems too a much work. extra. We would take all the, the garbage and we'd package that up into a skid and then we'd wholesale it off to somebody else as like salvage condition. Okay. Who would buy that. Yeah. Then, okay. Um, that you'd make a, like a grand back on that or something. So we would do that. And then the, the truckloads got worse and worse. Every truck we got was worse than the previous one. We, we like had, less functioning things. We had one from a company called Rex TV in Dayton, Ohio. That was, uh, those remember those big rear projection TVs on wheels? Yeah, okay. They're like super heavy, gigantic. Yeah. The, the first kind of widescreen TVs ever. Yeah. We had a whole truckload uh, that we were expecting seventy five percent functional was one hundred percent not functional. Wow! And, uh, and it, this is a gamble you have. And that was like you, a you have no recourse if none no, of them. That was like a twelve thousand dollar. There, it's always as is. Oh my god. And, okay, uh, so you're taking like these gambles early. Okay, so did you? So you stopped after four trucks. And then another thing issue was that we stopped getting like Xboxes and uh, iPods and like the juicy stuff, stuff was just missing. So they were, they were skimming it off the, yeah. But you're learning arbitrage really early here. Yeah. 
I'm and learning HS codes for importing uh, <laughs> duties and stuff. But yeah, because you, you would have had a functional import company and, and a, a, a CRA import number for all this stuff too. Yeah, so you'd go to customs and they, and they, the truck company actually would ask for it because they, yeah. they're the ones that hand it. So like, give, me, give us the HS codes. So then we go to like figure, it's like, I don't know where you go to the library or wherever it was. The HS codes are gigantic, thick textbooks, like the biggest books you've ever seen. Oh my Every God. Every single thing you can imagine has an HS code. Which has a duty attached to it. So like if you have like a, a music device that can store MP3 music and play it back on headphones and has an FM tutor on it, that's one HS code. And then the same thing that doesn't have an FM tutor is oh, a different HS code. Some of it's one percent. How many of you are, are doing this? So you and a couple other people. Me and one other guy. Oh. And so the the truck would have thousands of items. And like all of them unique, right? And so you have to find thousands of HS codes. Cause you gotta pay tariffs on all of this stuff. And the truck company would be like, what are you talking about? Like you can give us a maximum of five HS codes. <laughs> and I'm like, but there's like thousands yeah, of things in here. this truck. <laughs> like they're, so they're, what do you do? They're like, well, I don't care. Just give me five HS codes or I'm not bringing your stuff. They want in. So, just a general so we, idea. Cause they're used to, well, you can imagine most trucks have like one thing in the back, yeah. right? <laughs> just Frozen a, a piece. Gazillion, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so or an Xbox, yeah. One. So we would we, they, we give them five, the five obviously lowest tariffs that we could find. They're generally representative. And, sure, yeah. And uh, and then the truck would would call us and when they're like they drive it up from the states when it was cleared. They'd get close and they'd be like, "I think I'm in the wrong neighborhood." This is before like GPS was there, right? <laughs> I'm bringing this to a house. <laughs> this is like a residential neighborhood. I don't think I'm legally allowed to drive in this That's neighborhood. Right. Probably not. And we're like, well, yeah, no, it's fine. We've done, we've done it before. The guy came last time, no problem. He's like, well, you have, oh, you have yeah. a truck level loading dock. And we're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a loading well, do, dock? Do you have a forklift? <laughs> like, yeah. nope. Yeah, how do you get the, how do you get the pallets off the truck? I'd have like six kids waiting there with like work gloves on oh, and like, man. you can't lift the pallet because it weighs like hundreds of pounds. So you have to jump into the truck and take each, it was like those volunteer firefighters with the buckets. You have a line of kids all the way from the, the street up to the garage because oh, you had 30 minutes to offload the, intru- the entire truck. That's how um, much the guy gave you. And, and if it went over 30 minutes, they'd start charging you. Okay. So, okay. So overall, you do all this stuff with the trucks and you decide to stop. Why? Because we were just getting, like, it was not getting, yeah. We were and, just getting garbage. So did you end it with, like, still owing money to a bunch of people? No, we ended up paying it back pretty easily it wasn't it wasn't too bad it was pre- it was pretty close but like neighbors were complaining because we'd have like 60 wooden pallets on our driveway just hanging out there i'm glad that, none of those projection <laughs> tvs worked in a way because where would where do you put where would you put them yeah so we and had, then how are you shipping them out i guess you call in freight companies to ship them away for those too. we'd sell those on like kijiji and get people to come pick them up locally oh, but man. ebay stuff we we would drop off like huge truckloads of stuff to like the post office and they'd be like, what, this isn't how this works. Like you're not supposed to <laughs> you're do just this. testing all of the systems, like, right? Yeah. So, okay. You're, you're learning about systems. You're learning how import, ex- import and, and I guess maybe not export if maybe you are selling some stuff to the States, yeah, bringing sometimes. it in. And then some people from the States bid on eBay Sometimes. and you have to wrap it all. And you're the- in school. Yeah. But you're like, Obviously not paying attention to school. Well, that, so this is the summer. This okay. is the summer after okay. first year. Okay. And that, and we were like looking at it going, okay, we, we either have to put down a lease on a, on a truck level loading dock with a forklift and a factory. <laughs> like we have to, we're going to go all in on These this. These are not normal conversations people have, by the way. You're, you're 20 or something at this point. 19. We yeah, need to 18. get a loading dock. Yeah. <laughs> not, not normal. The, the dining room in my house had floor to ceiling junk. Like it was like a hoarder's house. Like every hallway, the front hall was TVs lined all the way down like a showroom. 
My mom was not impressed. But so, what was the perk? That this was this was enjoyable for you. Obviously, this is yeah. something that you enjoyed. Yeah, and your your friend too. It was and fun. everybody got you paid. Everybody, they uh, the neighborhoods like one extra casual labor. Just go down to that house. Yeah. Okay. What was it? Okay, but you're in school summer. Okay, you kept going in school though. So we loaded everything up onto a U-Haul and went to the dump, and it was a very cathartic experience. Just so rolling these got giant it, got TVs of off, and they would blow up, and they'd be like, "It was yeah, okay." So it's garbage. But you wouldn't say you lost any money at that point you're you're maybe breaking even or yeah we we like we had, we had to pay our parents back yeah like a few grand like we were, we were definitely short by the end of it but like okay. we were we were having a good summer too like okay. I, I never really tracked it so you learned a couple of things from this so what what where did that lead you to where was what was the next one next one was a window cleaning company okay that seems a little more uh less risky yeah yeah <laughs> well financially maybe Yes. But you're on ladders. Okay. In sorry. The rain and like, risky <laughs> like, to your life risking. Yeah. Uh, but you can delegate that. <laughs> yeah. I, were you, were you up there? I had one uh, good two story windows. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so you're learning about that too. So, uh, why that one? Why, what was the draw there? There was good profit margins. I was in class and, and people came to the class and made an announcement. They said you can make $10,000 in the summer. Um, by running your own business and I was like obviously I'm gonna do that like, <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't you tell me this before yeah, what, what was I doing last summer like, man so so I went out and it was uh it was a it was a franchise company teaching you how to run window cleaning okay. uh, business and um and they're like you can make ten thousand dollars and I was like why not like 20 and they're like yeah. just because this is how it works buddy like just you get with the program yeah. so I was like all right like let's, stop let's messing with our system yeah I remember so, they had so this like really long interview process and I'm like, can we just like get into this now? Like obviously <laughs> like I'm going to do this. Like, what, um, but it's great. I, so you I learned, did it. I learned a ton. Yeah. For the summer. This is the second. I did two, summer two, two summers, okay. two summers in a row. Actually. Second and third year. Yeah. Okay. And you made the 10 or I no? made, uh, made, I made more. 20 ish, 25 maybe in the first year. Nice. How and by then, just hustling the different doors and. Yeah. Hiring a bigger sales team or? I was really motivated by, by recognition. And so they had this huge chart. There's like 150 franchises of this and I, and I just needed to be the best one. So it was like, it was, and if I, whatever it would take to, to be the, at the top of the chart, I guess was a big motivator for me. Um, and I had this coach that I wanted to impress and I had all these other like peers that I wanted to beat. And so, so you're driven by, well, what you just said, a little bit of competition, mm-hmm. but also this $200,000 number that you came up with, which, you know you're not going to do during school, but you're figuring out ways. Like you're te- you're testing yeah. the waters. Would you say? Yeah. So what are you, what are you doing with this twenty five thousand? I mean, you traveling. You, you, you gross twenty five, or you made twenty five? I made twenty five. I gross. Right, you paid everybody else, and you walked away with fifty, sixty. I can't actually remember. Yeah. My first year okay, was. so you got twenty five grand, mm-hmm. twenty one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you 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 traveled for part of this. Like, do you have the rest of the summer? I think I went on. Like ten cruises in a year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, but and there's nothing telling you to save this money yet. No, I nothing went on. A, I mind. went on a 33 day road trip with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. We went oh, on yeah. a cruise that to Bermuda nice. and a cruise out of Miami, and like drove all around. It was awesome. Because you know you have the ability to earn. Yeah. I'll Is that your thought? And... You're like, I'll just do this again. Yeah. So why you know there's no need to save mm-hmm. now. Now just you know quickly in in hindsight. Do you, do you wish you had saved a little bit of that or no? 
Um, like I'm in such a good place right now that I don't have any regrets. But yeah, uh, at a certain point in your life, would you be like, man, if I just put some of that money away? Yeah, I didn't know anything about home ownership then. Okay, yeah. But if I could go back and tell myself, hey, put a down payment. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have qualified for a mortgage at that point, but. You might have um, bought some property. I could have saved for property. Nobody earlier. told you yet that you could make tons of money in real estate. Yes. I didn't know that <laughs> like, why didn't you tell me? Yes. I would have done that. Yeah. 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 It's funny if you would have had like a conversation with like 20 different people or something, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like make your money here, then take it and put it in there. And then in a couple of years, you'll make some money, sell that and buy more or rent, rent out the properties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever end up doing that? I'm skipping ahead. You, uh, you have rental properties I, at all? I have rental properties yeah, now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. That, that's you know that's how you build wealth, right? In, in one way or another, right? Yeah. But uh, of course, home ownership and uh, renting out is it's a risk. Yeah, right? it's a risk and it's a business. It's a, it's a business, it's not an You're investment. Right. But that's a good point. Um, yeah, I had I did make investments. In, that was two thousand eight. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, with the window cleaning company, and I had ten thousand dollars invested. So you did at that point. You didn't um, blow it all. I lost it all. Oh, you lost. Okay. What yeah. did you, oh, you invest, <laughs> you invested in the way that you're starting businesses. What did you invest yeah, in? Yeah, I was, uh, I, I remember the one that I hold the grudge against was Apple. Not that it was anyone's fault or their You lost fault, money in Apple. This was 2008? Yeah, in the crash. Of course. I was triple leveraged. I had $30,000 of exposure on my $10,000. Oh, yeah. And uh, nobody <laughs> told me not to do that, but it just seemed like. No, it. nobody knew. Well, I started at the beginning of 2007 and I was a genius. Everything was going up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why not leverage yeah. triple? I made 20% last year on my investments. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's going to always be that way, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and yeah, if only somebody would have told you. Yeah. So then you, what, you lost it all. I also wasn't really paying attention. I was like no. triple leveraged. I was finishing school. I was running a window cleaning company. I was hiring like 10 people. Can you explain people. triple leverage for people? Yeah. So, so when you put money into like a discount brokerage and you're doing it yourself, um, if you put in like ten thousand dollars, they'll allow you to purchase thirty thousand dollars. And why? Why would they do that? Why so would they, they charge a lot of interest on that? Okay, so it's like the, giving you a loan. This is how yeah. the brokers make a lot of money. I see. And so, the, but the challenge is that it fluctuates. So when you buy a house, for example, yeah. you, you're putting like five times leverage. You're yeah. putting twenty percent down, yeah, and, and they're giving you five times yeah. leverage. The difference is that they only really check they really never check the value of your home again but like really like theoretically at the five-year mark if it's a five-year mortgage they're kind of checking the value at that point if your if your house goes down in value after you buy your house like six months later it drops by half yeah and then it like it recovers over the next like two years like the lender doesn't care but right that's but in the stock the market stocks, it's like yeah. minute by minute yeah right so like if you because well, there's no collateral there right too right, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're leveraged against, well, nothing. Right. Except for these stocks you buy. So if your stocks go down 33%, yeah. um, that means it's gone, the, the 30,000 US is down 10,000. That was your 10,000. And course, then they take, they take their 20 back. Oh. So that's how you lose it all. Cause otherwise it'd be like your Apple stock is worth 3,000 or yes. $6,000. And then maybe it would go down to three, but eventually we recover. Yeah. It was the leveraging. Yeah, got you. Correct. Okay, so, so that's you know you wonder like oh you know I know my stock might go down but I don't think it'll ever go negative or disappear. Yeah, but this is the way. I would have so much money if I still own that Apple oh. stock. Oh, yeah. If yeah, even shit. if I wrote it all the way down and all the way back up. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You should have bought, you should have bought some Bitcoin at the time, right? Or something, right? Yeah. Like if you're you're in this uh, sort of I'll call it gambling mode, right? Yeah. Like. Just sort of taking your chances. If only a cryptocurrency would have been something, uh, you would have. Or did you? Did you ever get into any? I never got into into cryptocurrency. No. Okay. I have the best performing stock portfolio 
in North America in the last five years, though. Five years, okay. But yeah. that that was okay. We still got a couple of years to get to. So yeah. now, okay, now you're clear. But then the next year, you made another twenty five in the summer. Maybe. Next year, I made forty thousand. Made forty. Holy crap! Okay, yeah, running so, a bigger window cleaning company. So you just so you're learning how to scale now. Yeah. Right. And it's like I I know I feel like maybe you had how, how do you learn how did you learn this stuff? Like, did you read books or like no. what's telling you just like multiply this and that so you get more profit i mean it seems obvious it seemed intuitive to me okay so you have this is a lot of this is intuition yeah but you're taking a lot of chances too right like i mean i'm thinking back on the trucks right Mm -hmm. like you know that was scale you know just just to raise that much money when you're so young yeah i guess so i guess i don't really you didn't have a fear i don't it's it's a lack of fear or or like yeah i think things are just gonna work out interesting yeah yeah i mean the majority of the population does not have that Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's why they're working in jobs Mm -hmm. right secure jobs (laughs) right right where i mean they're not necessarily secure they could get fired anytime but they're not like it's not a every day is a risk right Mm -hmm. i mean if they do their job typically they might keep it but you have this thing, and do you think this is a necessary thing for someone who is an entrepreneur, someone who's starting business? Yeah, I, I'm not sure though. Like, it's a kind of a strange like nuance because like a big aspect of it is a lack of security. Like, if, if I feel insecure all throughout this, like I'm I'm like desperately mm. trying to make money. That's the drive because doing nothing is so insecure for me. Interesting. Like, if I work at a job where I'm making a basic. Like like a steady income, yeah. like a salary, like a, and it's going to be like that for the next five, ten, fifty years. Yeah, like that is so much anxiety to me. Like I can't handle that. And wh- why? Why is it? Because you, well, first of all, you're two hundred thousand target, but you need growth. You need yeah. You need to be able to to build. Yes. Yeah. Is that like it's, it seems like a core value Pro- for progressing you? Progressing or like yeah, yeah or, or just kind of like, it's like running away from having nothing in the past. Interesting. Like you need to constantly be progressing against that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this is interesting to, to understand because you know a lot of people might be like, this is all craziness, right? Like <laughs> you're taking all these chances before you even hit 25, right? But you're making money and, okay, so what about the 40 grand? Did you put some of that in stock too? No, travel. All travel. Yeah. Wow, this is like it, it, great stuff, great travel. Like, I mean, that 40 grand would be worth a lot of money now, a lot yeah. more anyway. But hey, we got to live our life too, right? Yeah. So, okay. And this, and didn't, you didn't finish university then? No. So. Why would you? You're making salary. You're making money. You don't need it. That Geography. year was the year York University was on strike. They're on strike right now, actually. Oh, same same okay. kind of thing. Yeah. And so I didn't really have a full school year, which is part of why I was able to be so successful with window cleaning. Because normal you window cleaning season is like yeah, yeah. two or three months, half of which you're actually in school. Okay. So I had more time. So that the strike was coming to the end at the end of that summer. And uh, so I was going back to school when I really just took a whole year off school. And, and we had a new idea at this point. We we're going to start a tea company. Okay. So like tea leaves. Yes. Bags of tea. Yeah. Okay. So while I was traveling, I came across <laughs> yes. Tivana in the States. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which and it was not here at all. And, it wasn't and here. David's maybe didn't exist or anything he, like he that. He had three stores. Okay, at the time, yeah, yeah, okay, great. Um, but not in the GTA. No, 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 no one was just, really in Yeah, in no the one GTA. knew about tea. 
that Tiopia was also. Yeah, had, that, had, there's think, a few of those here. Five now. stores or so. In the path, the maybe. The guy's name's also David, actually. It was kind okay. of funny. But yeah, so I, I was in the States and I, and I ran across Tivana and it smelled delicious and it looked cool and people were buying it. And like so, people are buying tea. Were you a yeah. tea drinker yourself? No. No. You're no. just like, tea is the thing. <laughs> tea is. <laughs> seem gimmicky and cool. You know, and, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I looked into it and I was like, how much, like, we, I knew I wanted to start a retail store. I just okay, wanted... why? It seems like a lot of work to start a retail store. This isn't just like doing what? What you knew retail was? I wanted to. I wanted to get into clothing. Okay, because of the why the margins. Are I just. Good? I don't know. I thought I could do a better job, but I. Okay, I so you see it. these things and you want to improve on them. Yeah, you got to try it. Yeah. So I had this idea for a clothing store that where the retail space could double as like an event venue and like a nightclub, and so you actually use it more like twenty four hours a day as opposed to just like business hours. Does that exist today? No, I never ended up doing it, but I, I remember having somebody else huge... do it though. Like, I don't think so. Anywhere? I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, they do that with some furniture stores. My friend of mine got married in a furniture store. That's cool. When it was closed, right? Like a nice designer place, right? It's like a, yeah. a waterfalls and stuff or whatever, right? Yeah. But yeah, no. So you didn't do that, but you did the tea or no? I did the tea. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so cheap. Like tea is like free. But what about the packaging, the cool little things and stuff? You can figure that out. It's, yeah. it's, it's cheap. But it's all like the margins on tea are like some of the best margins in retail. But it's leaves, right? Yeah. It's like nothing. <laughs> it's really, like, especially yeah. the like peppermint and chamomile is they're, okay. they're robbing you. Like, so you, you know way too much about tea. I do. Uh, now and I you do. learned a lot about it then. Yeah. So you, what, one store? You had one Three store? stores. Three stores. Yeah. And how did they do? Or did they we still had exist? Upper Canada Mall in Newmarket. Yeah. And we had Oakville Place and we had Vaughn Mills. Okay. And so you're, uh, you're paying rent in all these places. It's very expensive. Yes, right? I imagine. So you're in high profile places. <laughs> Are you married at this point? No. No, no. But it's like the same girlfriend throughout the yeah, whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious. What does she think about this at the time? She used to be more time. stressed about it. Yeah. But now, now hey, she's better. I'm going to go into tea. Yeah. <laughs> right? Sure, whatever, right? Yeah. Is she working? Is she in school doing her own thing, making her own money? She was in school. She paid a lot more like attention to school. So. <laughs> yeah. What, what What does she do now? If you don't mind me asking, she's a, she's a teacher. But now now we have like three kids. Yeah, at home, she, so, so she, she went. She got her bachelor of education. She now. went and did her master's of master's education, education at uh, UFT afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's something practical. Failing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the only thing you would never do. Right. <laughs> It's, you know, it's, you gotta have the balance, right? Yeah. You know, like m- my wife is in med school, right, mm-hmm. right now. So, and she's a pharmacist already. So, like, super practical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And she's also really smart, smart enough to do that. And I'm making podcasts, right? For free. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who's smarter? I don't know. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it all ends up. Yeah. But, uh, okay. So you're like three tea stores. Uh, you had to raise some capital to buy these or you use your own money? We, we borrowed some money again. It was. You're paying we, franchise fees. No. No, no, we made our own brand. You it was, made a brand. It's called 120T. Okay. Yeah. So you're creating a company. Yeah. That's, you're like, I can do better mm-hmm. than Tiavana or David's if it, if it was around. And we did. We had, we had okay. higher sales than all of them. Wow. Because it was like <laughs> a bunch of like sales guys, like yeah. hustlers and like, sure. In the mall, like, you know, we, we sold so many friggin' cast iron if teapots. It's it was tea or Xbox. Is this the, the mark of a good salesperson? It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Is that like, can you sell anything? 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we were, but we had, we had to make the cast iron teapots in China. Oh, and like, okay. So this production here is not just ordering tea and no, and bringing it in. No, there's the pots are where the You're sourcing a manufacturer in China and like making a, yes. making a, a, a prototype and telling them build this. No, cast they have, iron they teapot. have like existing ways of making them and stuff. Like we're not, we weren't like Amazing. designing new teapots, Amazing. but, but yeah. Okay. So you, uh, obviously they don't exist anymore. These teapots stores or they do no so we ended up uh partnering and selling to teopia you did okay um, and then like so you, they, you sold the whole company to Teopia. yeah so they had the resources like they were backed by uh, Keyman and engravers was the company really like, it's, it's in like yeah of, of course it's and, been around forever yeah they so, are the ones who got into the teopia business so it's the son of the guy that owns that mall and then, retail uh, yeah. and then uh, and then David's tea is backed by Le Chateau. Really? That's uh, the same family. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it they makes knew, sense to expand. And they knew all the malls. You know, you know the mall business. Yeah. yeah. Room so, for tea. You know, you figure, hey, what's the, where's the hole in yeah. the mall retail space? It's tea. Yeah. Right? Not anymore because they're everywhere. Right? It, well, not anymore. Starbucks just threw them in the garbage. Really? Yeah. They paid 600 million for Tivana and they oh, just. Oh, no. A couple months ago threw them out. I did not know that. I'm not following the tea <laughs> retail yeah. space, but yeah. You killed it. Okay. So that would, would you call that like your first sort of exit, if you will? Did you like, did you sold the kind company Kind of. Out? It wasn't a graceful exit, but it was, uh, we, we got to make good money yeah. um, for a few months. And uh, we did like a quarter million dollars in sales in our first like two months. Um, and so you're clearing some money. Not now, are you, you have money in the bank now? Are you investing for real? Is there a point when you actually... So this is when I buy my yeah. first house. Okay. So yeah. you have you get enough money to buy first house now, buy it with a big down payment or buy it? Just buy it outright? No, no, no. no like no, buy it buy and it. still borrow some money yeah, from yeah. my mom. And like, yeah. so like, yeah, just I guess this it. wasn't that long ago. How long ago was this? This was 2011. Okay. So, I mean, the market wasn't... Uh, 10. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, but where are you buying? Aurora. Yeah, Aurora. So things, you know, maybe something in the uh, 300,000 area uh, range. Or yeah, 334,000 yeah, exactly. dollars. So reasonable. You put, did you put the full 20% down? Uh, nope, 10% yeah. down. Yeah. And it, and it had to be a house that had a basement apartment already built because we had no money left over for renos. Okay. And I needed to rent the basement because I had no income. So that was important. So you had a rental income property. And mm-hmm. you said earlier it's a business. Does it, is it work? Yeah. Well, I say, I specify that because People often compare rate of return and they talk about, they compare like the stock markets to their like real estate portfolio. And it's like, yeah, no, you're right. They shouldn't look at investment that way. Yeah. But it is passive income sort of. Um, well, you have to do a lot of work. That's, yeah. Like, the stories I could tell yeah, you. What about, kind of, yeah. Like, give me just one example. Like the bad tenants. Yes. Like the worst. Okay. <laughs> like every Let's tenant. go with the worst one. Every tenant. The worst I'm, one. Is there poop involved? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Please proceed. <laughs> The worst one, which I thought was good at the time because it was, like, I met him and he was in a wheelchair and he's like, I get the money from the law firm and the law firm will pay the rent. Um, and I was like, well, this is like a guaranteed win. Like, like he, he's not going to not pay his rent. Like, the get, law firm. The law firm pays the rent. <laughs> it's perfect. What can go wrong? And uh, so he had been in a car accident and he was like, you know. So he's uh, getting a settlement of some kind. He was looking From, forward to a huge sum and the lawyers were, you know, yeah. paying everything because they were going to make it out, uh, later on. And, uh, so he moved in and I suspect that he was, uh, taking like a lot of painkillers and like sure. needles and yeah. stuff and he was home all day. Everybody smoked. Everybody told me they didn't smoke. Everybody told me they would never smoke inside. 
They all smoke inside. This is like my, this is Aurora basement. So just every every possible thing. So so smoking yeah. inside was a big issue. So we ended up moving out and moving downtown and buying our second house. This yeah. is like my fourth tenant in Aurora. They the people that moved in upstairs consistently complain about this guy because he smells bad. They think he's smoking. Whatever. Every time they turn on the furnace, they uh, they smell Something. this weird smell yeah. and they think it's smoke. So like finally I go in and uh and I just kick the guy out because there's nothing like I I'm like you yeah. gotta leave. This is the only person I've ever asked to leave, and he was a pretty reasonable guy about it. And I and I get him out, and as soon as I get him out, I go in and I'm looking around and I'm like, what is the smell? Like where is it? And like it was disgusting down yeah. there. And uh and there's a crawl space, half of the back of the basement had a crawl space. Turns out the guy never put out the garbage once. He lived there for nine months. He'd been throwing all the garbage oh. into the back under the under the crawl space. And leaving it there. Oh my god. For almost a year, right? And this is, this is the, the vents, you can picture the ductwork goes right above where the garbage was. So that's why every time the furnace came on, all the garbage smell that was in the ducts got wafted up into the house. And, I mean, we don't have to go into what happens to the garbage when it sits for a while. <laughs> so I'm in my hands and knees crawling through this friggin' call space, pulling this garbage out to outside. And then I get to the, the end of getting all the garbage out and there's this huge piece of plywood in this dark like crawl space. And I'm like, what is that weird piece of plywood? And I pick it up and underneath it is just full of feces. And I'm like, human feces. I'm like, what is going on? I almost threw up. Like this is like the most <laughs> twisted dark thing. And, uh, and I get, and I go to take these boards out, but the boards had been in there since before the basement was finished, I guess. So it didn't fit out the crawl space, these giant plywood. So I had to cut them up. In the crawl space. With like a circular saw or something? With like a little handsaw. Little handsaw. And break them up and I get, I get it all out. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, this is human feces. This guy was like taking dumps in my crawl space. There's like just some like sick, like, cause you, and, and so I get out there and underneath the boards, there's, uh, there's paw prints. Okay. And the previous tenant had this dog that they never took outside and it had carpets at the time and I had to change the carpets and that was, that was real feces. And, <laughs> and then, but the dog had been taking dumps in there and they put, they covered it up with wood before they left. So it was the previous tenants. Who that, that teaches was, people this stuff? Like, was, hey, if, so there's poop and garbage. Just throw it somewhere. Yeah. You know, the, the world will take care of it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This is basic stuff, right? But, and we always complain about people who don't know basic personal finance. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, like this is basic living stuff, right? So, okay. So, Tenants work, but you seem to still own this place. So I sold that house. You used to end up selling That it. was the last okay. tenant I had in that house. That okay. Was, I'm done. Okay. So you sold that one. Um, I was, uh, so I was renting both units at yes. that time and I was, I had moved down to the city and bought a place in the East End, Leslieville. And that had a basement apartment that I, I, I built that basement apartment. Um, there's a huge amount of no crawl spaces to be made. <laughs> uh, no, no crawl spaces. No. So. So I'd, I'd been renting that one and, and I had found a third house that I wanted to buy and I wanted to refinance the first two. So why, why houses? So you have, you, you have some cash for down payments and you yeah. just, you realized houses are a good investment at this point. Markets were going up like crazy. Maybe, the makes me look like a genius. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Nothing to do with me, but like. it's like, no, it's a good point. I mean, it's what everyone tells everybody to do when you're doing it. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're buying houses and you stop at three. <laughs> one that you live in? Well, the third one. So I went to refinance the one that I was living in and, uh, and, the, and, the, and the first one as well. And I, the valuation came back $200,000 less Whoa. than what I wanted. And, uh, and so I had to sell it because I, I couldn't get the capital out to, to do the renovation. So the third one that I bought was a massive, like pretty much a full rebuild of the house. Yeah. And so I sold it within a month for $200,000 more than the appraisal. 
It was like very, very because frustrating. Because you could, uh, uh, but you didn't want to. I didn't want to. I would have had three houses at this point. Yeah. But I said I have one, but it's a wicked triplex and I'm quite happy living in it. And the, the basement has two units and it pays for the entire mortgage. And That's amazing. Yeah. And, and people don't do this because they're afraid of the work. It's a lot of work. And it is a lot of work. My basement, I've had the house for now over four years. My basement has flooded on average every six months. Really? Every single time it is for a unique reason. <laughs> Man, and is this just bad luck? Or? It's a curse. It's, it's a, a curse. It's a curse. Yeah. You're being punished for your entrepreneurial skills. <laughs> um, so what are you doing for income at this point? Uh, so at that point, I was I was working. When we moved out of the city, I was working as uh, as an investment advisor. Okay, so wait, wait. You, you, you got to have licenses and stuff to be an investment advisor. When did you get this stuff? So before I moved down, I was doing online marketing. Um, so I've like I've skipped over like a whole yeah, bunch of yeah, 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 here. yeah. So okay, the T was where we were at. Let's go to the next big one you were doing online marketing, which is so the tea, affiliate marketing. When, when we wrapped up the tea, we had all this extra inventory. So we were trying to figure out how to sell it. So okay. we were going to make a web-based like tea company. We didn't end up doing that. It was going to have like an MLM type vibe to it. And we just didn't want to do that. Um, with like the tea parties and stuff. We tested it out a bit. It actually could have worked. And then the same year, actually, there was a company on Dragon's Den talking about tea parties and MLM. And, uh, and then like two years later, they did like a previously on Dragon's Den like follow up, and the company was doing ten million dollars a year in revenue. It was the exact same idea. Okay, we- okay. Well, <laughs> let's just describe this for a second. So, somebody, somebody, multi-level marketing is when you recruit people to then sell what you sell, and then right. you get a percentage of what they get because yeah, you, you were sell good out at, all your friends and family, yeah, and, and everybody. Uh, if they make money, you make money, and people at the top make the most. Yeah, and if you they, recruit some, two people, and they recruit two people, that's and they, right. Seven levels down, you're going to be a millionaire. And and if that's and if story. it's uh, <laughs> and if you're selling something that doesn't really exist, uh, or just selling the selling, that's called a pyramid scheme. That's still, then it's illegal. But then it's illegal. But th- if it's actual product, it's just a way to sell things, and the parties yeah. would be the way to hey, hey, look, this tea's great. You could sell it for me, and and then right. you know you'll get paid, and then I'll get paid, and everyone's good. Yeah, we had this huge duffel bag of inventory, and we take it around to like university campuses, okay. and and they you know you sample everything, try all the teas, teach them all about tea. People love learning about tea. There's so many stories about this stuff, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and then they take orders, and they deliver the orders, and the host gets paid, and then you recruit people to buy the duffel bag to show the tea that. And it keeps going. But you didn't do this. You we did it a few times, but okay. then we didn't want to. You didn't. It wasn't sustainable. Yeah. It, well, it wasn't. It was just like it wasn't. We were looking at it. We were looking at other MLM companies because the best way to run an MLM company is to be as close to a pyramid scheme as possible without yeah, going without jail. going into it. And so all of the <laughs> and boards, that you're not doing any work. Everyone else is just making the money for you. Yeah, and all of the board of directors on all the MLM companies are all ex like federal judges in the states and stuff. <laughs> and I, like we were looking at it, going like I don't really want this to be my reputation for this one. Sure. Okay. Okay. So so that's it's interesting. There was a line there, and you mm-hmm. wanted legitimate businesses. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so where did the next idea come from? So in working out that, I had met Scott, who's now my co-founder okay. Scott, here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we ended but he up... he lives in the West Coast. Or, at the sorry, time, he was the, still finishing oh, school. He was here in, in Ontario. Yeah, he okay. was working, working for SO. Okay. And, uh, and he knew how to make websites, and I was like very much an offline kind of person. Um, and so we, we had this idea. Uh, I went to an art school for high school. 
Uh, I went okay. for drama. Yeah, nice. Because um, I got to miss a uh, day of school to audition, and then they let me in, and then I got <laughs> to do eight credits of like not work. So, awesome. Like I did, I did that, and, <laughs> and uh, now you make uh, good videos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so I I knew all of these wicked musicians, and um, they produced these amazing songs. Like some of them produced really fantastic songs. Sure. And you never hear them. Like they were all became professional musicians. Some of them. Yeah, professional um, quote, like trying to be professional. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. And, uh, and you would never hear their songs. And I was like, this is like a tragedy. Like there must yeah. be so many other songs out there. Okay. But like you can't find them because like most, you know, independent musicians are not very good. <laughs> like if you just look yeah, at on aggregate. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, and so we said, well, what if we could build a system that would like socially curate independent music and then release like only the very best music to subscribers and then distribute some of that subscription revenue back to the artists and everybody can share in it and it'd be great. Okay. Yeah. So we built this company called Weekly Indie um, that had press in like seven languages and all over the world. And it was like, we, we had and Scott some, knew all the internet stuff to do the, all the web yeah, stuff. Here. It looked a lot like Netflix looks. This is before Netflix, yeah, but, uh, yeah. but you, you, it was a subscription. You got like 10 songs a week and we had thousands of songs being submitted to us all over North America. Really? And, and how do you, how are you get in this network? How did you spread the word and stuff? We, we made a lot of like classified postings. Like there's a lot okay. of postings for like gigs and people to help out and like yeah. play, play a band to play at my restaurant, whatever. And so we would say, look, as a song contest, you could win $500 to make your song. And if it gets picked, then okay. and we'd rate the songs and we'd release songs. And So would you say the key, like, because there's a lot of similarities here to all your businesses is that you're, you're good at selling, right? Uh, but would you say the key is just to keep doing it? Like, I think people, you know, like I'll take myself as an example. I'm not a salesperson. I could be like emailing people every day, but I don't, right? Mm-hmm. And is that all it takes a lot of times is just keep doing it, keep doing it. And then you eventually people will respond if you do it enough. Is that like a basic? I guess so. I think, I think it really depends on, on the entrepreneur. I think certain people have different strengths and and you Mm. can, you can follow those strengths and they can lead to really great things. Certain, certain strengths can be more valuable than others in certain circumstances. Like obviously like selling is a very valuable skill in, in all businesses. Yeah. Selling your ideas. It really is. Selling new employees. Um, so I, I recommend everybody learn, learn some sales, but like, for example, I'm terrible at, um, like being detail oriented or, or mm. doing anything repetitive or, or really following through on things. So you mentioned like emailing people on a regular basis yeah. to sell and stuff. Like I would never follow up with, like maybe email somebody once and then I'm going to go do some other. So who's getting all the people to respond and calling them and stuff in, in this business? You hiring another, people? another guy. Yeah. We hired yeah, another okay. guy. So you, you're, you're basically figuring out what your strengths are as you go mm-hmm. and not, yeah, and which, which is what a lot of people should do is especially even maybe even before you have the money to, to do it. So because that's how you're making the money. Mm-hmm. I think people wait till they have money and they try to do everything themselves. Right. It's a yeah, um, it's a it's a tough thing to to run your own business. But yeah. for you, it seems a lot easier. Am I wrong? Um, or it's just a better option. Well, you? like keep in mind, like up until this point, I've never made like more than like $50,000 in a year. Okay. Um, it's like, it's not so like you're I'm, hustling I'm not like killing and you're, it. you're, you're doing stuff to make a, like what somebody's regular salary might be for working a nine to five I'm, at I'm, that point. Yeah. Like, so there was like those two seasons of window cleaning where I was yeah. killing it, like yeah. making 40 grand in three months. Sure. That's you know, like, let's go. It's a lot. But the rest of the time, I was working for way less than minimum wage if you count all the hours. And yeah, you're, work, you're working a lot. You're, yeah. you're kind of working all the time. Your mind's going. You're, you're right. figuring out ways to make this business. 
Okay, so uh, Weekly Indie uh, did okay, but oh, revenue. So we learned a ton about yeah. acquiring clients and credit yeah. card submits and subscriptions and all that kind of stuff. Okay, and, yeah. And started to learn about how other companies get users and clients. And, and it's through this channel of like called affiliate marketing. And so I, mm-hmm. I met this guy at a party and he had the, the true religion jeans on and uh, this like very fancy looking belt and he had a Hummer. Okay. Uh, and it was just it was like, it's like, Where'd a, you get that stuff? like a university party, right? Yeah. And I was okay. like, who are, like, mm. what do you do? You're a drug dealer. And he's like, I'm an affiliate marketer. Yes. And I was like, so am I tomorrow. <laughs> like, can I get your number? I mean, I have some Why questions. didn't you tell me about this before? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I go home and I Google affiliate marketing and I'm like, wow, like this is. I'm like, this now. Yeah. This is me. This is so me. I sat at my computer for 16 hours a day, seven days a week for three months running campaigns for hundreds of companies, creating thousands of ad campaigns. I, I, this is the year that I signed up for Facebook. I never used Facebook. Now you're starting, you're starting small though. I'm, I'm guessing you're starting with one, you spend some money, you make a lot more money and then you just keep increasing. No, at the no. end of three months I was down $3,000. Okay. Was... So you just went all in. <laughs> it didn't work, but then what did you learn from that? It's going uh, all in. You learn, you learn all these little bits and pieces and you hopefully tie them together. And then the industry works in, in waves. So like I had just missed the acai berry cleanse wave. Yes. So that was in 2000. How do you know it's not going to be a fad? Like how do you know any of this stuff is not going to be a fad? It's all a fad. So that, yeah. was, that was a wave. Well, the wave, sorry, a wave is a fad. Yes. Yeah. But you could have made profit on it. Like if you opened a ramen store or something, you know, at a certain point in time. People, people made millions of dollars just advertising the in affiliate colon, marketing cleanse like that wave yeah. and before okay. i got there yeah i got there it was a bit of a lull there was a big one for like college courses so my this guy that i had met i found out he was running lead gen for people to take career college classes in the u.s so like you want to be in law enforcement yeah take this weird strip mall plaza course and uh, it'll or give you, you the be, edge. Or you want to become a nurse, like take this route. And like you don't actually get to become a nurse or a cop. Like you just it's just like a It's a pre test. Yeah. Like a, a like, preparation. It's like prep stuff. It's like a yeah, it's like a crappy career college type place. And uh and they were paying him twenty dollars for each person who would apply for an information booklet. To yeah, so it's more. a good time to break down affiliate marketing for just just the for a second. Yeah. So you have a website of some kind yeah. that you're getting traffic to go to that website somehow. Yeah. By doing what? Yeah. So uh, by using, by buying keywords and things like that. Some people do it through search engine marketing. Some yeah. people do it through their own content and their own websites. And you're paying money. Yeah. So I, I would do it through Facebook marketing. So, so you're buying Facebook ads basically to point people to this page mm-hmm. for the thing that you find that's online that pays the most commission mm-hmm. every time somebody makes a sale. Yes. The same time somebody clicks through and buys. So you spend money advertising to drive traffic to a link to their website. If it converts on their website, they're going to pay you. And if you spent less, then you make the difference. Then, and and so you figured out a magical mix of how much to spend versus how much. So he was running campaigns for, for, for for nurses and and cops. And and they were paying him $20 for a client that would would request the whole booklet and, and learn to learn more. And he was getting it for a dollar. Okay. 
Like in Facebook uh, or in whatever kind of advertising. He was running them on Facebook and, and, and Plenty of Fish was a big source and, and stumble upon that. So was he was spending like a, maybe like a dollar a day or something or however much. A dollar per cl- he was client. A dollar per client. He was making $50,000 a day in profit. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and, and so you, like, is this luck? He just kind of stumbled on, this is the right time to do it. This is the right Facebook algorithm. And- so he had been doing it for years before and so he did testing too as and, you're, you're doing yeah so he's in his underwear in his his mom's house in his bedroom right and he's in, in bmo's shutting down his bank accounts and there's some people <laughs> looking into him and he's like why do you have hundreds of thousands of dollars and, oh yeah, my god that's that's his and life this is this is there's a golden time when you could do this and this can't, it can't really be done anymore so like it's a wave this, right? right so that yeah. wave came to an end and, uh, and I was trying to learn at this point and I was failing a lot and I was, yeah. I was spending way too much money and not, not really I had a few little campaigns that were working, but um, you're spending your whole days doing this. You said like, yeah, like, like long all days, day, 16 hour days. Meanwhile, like, the rest of us might just be like, I bought one Facebook ad and I didn't get any sales. Why? Yeah. It's because you didn't spend 16 hours a day Correct. doing it. So yes. that's, that's a good lesson in, in persistence. This is a hard one. Yes. Tim, don't listen to Tim Ferriss. He makes it sound easy. Four hour work week. Everything that he does was not replicatable. <laughs> okay. Which so you, is why he's ready to read books. the books before, before. I read, I read the book. Like, well, why is 16 hours? You're like, that's me. I want four hours a week. <laughs> so I know the tactics okay, and yeah. 16, in, the, in the four hour work week. And, and he, I have disdain for it because he sells it as if you can do it. So what happened is he did all these things and then it dried up. Mm. Like he was selling like weight loss shakes and stuff. Yeah. Online, okay. Right? Yeah. I tried yeah. that as well. It dried up as these things do, and then he decided to try again, I'm sure, and it failed and tried again and failed, and then he just wrote a book about it and gave up. But the okay. book made it sound like you could do what he did. Yeah. If he, if you could, he would still be doing it, not writing books about it. That's, that's right. That's all I have to say about Tim Ferriss. <laughs> yeah, no, and because he, he does present it as if you just find a product. Yeah. Like you said, spend less on advertising than you're going to make doing this. Delegate everything to everybody else and then have the business run for you. Right. And that it does not work. So, no. no so, it didn't so, work for you. Let's so, just say that. Yeah. At that point. I, <laughs> yeah. But then, so then, then my wave came and this was in, in the end of 2010. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Groupon came out. Okay. So Groupon came out and they were getting crazy VC money. And the whole game was it was a race. There was nothing proprietary. Everybody's going to copy them. So then Toronto Star built Wagjag, and then you had Deal Find, and you had KGB deals, you had Bytopia, Living Social, etc. Yeah, everything. Right. I worked for every single one of those companies. You worked for like in your affiliate. As an affiliate. Yes. Okay. So I, I was running the same campaigns, driving traffic to all of them. Whoever is willing to pay the most can buy my traffic. So they'd have a like, you get this thing that was normally a hundred bucks. It's on for forty five. And right no now. one knew what they were doing. So okay. like all of us affiliates knew yeah. what, how the industry worked. They didn't know. They were brand new to the game. Oh. And it can be a bit of a like sleazy industry. Like it's like, okay. yeah. it's bait and, bait and switch. Like, You're doing whatever bait. you can to get people. Yeah. Cause to, the affiliate doesn't care if yeah. the client ends up becoming a client. They just care if the lead is generated. Oh, right? so, the, so yeah. Cause you can, can you get lead gen pays now? Yeah. Uh, cause they don't have to go and buy the product. Big, big brands don't use affiliate marketing so much anymore yeah. because of what happened to Groupon. But it's, <laughs> Because um, I, cause I work with ones where you, you get paid when somebody buys the product. Yeah. So not like, just the click through. Yeah. So, so sale campaigns click, and Okay. Yeah. And you had click through. Okay. So that's the email submit click through. Those were. Wow. So Wagjag came out. They were paying four bucks a lead in Canada and four bucks I was generating them for 25 cents and I was generating thousands. Um, Groupon, I had a campaign in Brazil that was generating 10,000 new users a day. 
Wow. Uh, in Portuguese. That's how I learned Brazil speaks Portuguese. I, remember, I thought it was, I thought everything <laughs> I thought was, it was Spanish. Spanish. Yeah, but it's, and, it uh, is one of the exceptions in South America. Yeah. yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. And um, I had these, I had these ads about energy drinks. And how are you putting it on Portuguese? You just pay someone to Google make, Translate. Okay. God. And, uh, I don't, don't even know, know if the context is right or anything. Converse. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Okay. That's a yeah. good one. I like that. So you're, so how much are you making? Just a long story six, short. $6,000 a day. 6000 a day. And, yeah. and then how, like, did you have a total? So the wave, the wave went from October 2010 to January 2011. That's in the solid months in there. It was a good wave. Okay. Yeah. So 6000 a day. The right. Wave. So this is when we, we moved to the what, Toronto. This is like almost 200000 a month. The hundred and fifty thousand a month. So. It wasn't it wasn't every day. Not every day. I definitely so on, did not on, make up. On, yeah. Don't do the easy math there. Yeah. It's, it's not okay. that it's not that good. <laughs> so you so you, but you were able to make some good cash doing this. Yeah. And ten, ten, tens of thousands and of dollars. This around. Was probably, like you said, this is when you bought the house and then you had three houses and then we already know that part of the story. Okay. Yeah. But that was not sustainable. So the I guess the idea of, of all this stuff is none of this this is all just fleeting. <laughs> it's always one to the next. Are yeah. you getting tired of this, or is it all no. exciting? No, so I moved. So I moved down better and better and better. Yeah, and I and I and I get a real job at, at Wood Gundy as yeah. Investment well, why? Advisor. Why are you getting a real job? This doesn't sound like you. Because it's like I needed a, a sustainable income, so that dried up in like January, February, and that was. No, like, but you never did before. Why do you need sustainable? Because you have because now I have two mortgages <laughs> and I, my wife's in her master's program, and okay. like things are getting expensive. So right? the pressure's on a bit, and so you get licenses, and you well, and because. I found out that investment advisors make the most money. There's you, you get paid on a commission basis. It's the highest paid, it's the highest earning career that you can have without a degree. Sky's the limit. You get a, a whale. Somebody who has, hey, somebody has ten million dollars. Well, you're you're good. Yeah, the, the top earning investment advisors make north of ten million dollars a year. They really do because their do, clients have, um, I'm going to say, a billion dollars or yeah, they, they they rack up a billion dollar uh, uh, portfolio of clients and uh, and you can live wow. live quite nicely. Without, without any formal training or degree or, or yeah, expertise. it's interesting, eh? Yeah. But you have to pass certain licensing. That's the only, but oh, they're yeah. very you just like walk in, write it, and you're done. Yeah, like it's okay. So you kind of know what you're talking about. <laughs> Are you making some money? Uh, so this? it's a guarantee. So it's very hard in the beginning. It takes it takes like a good better yeah. part of a decade to get a book together that will actually pay you. Okay. Um, and I knew right when I got there that I wasn't gonna stick around. Um, okay. Cause it was like, they were like, go get 300 clients. And I was like, okay, like today or but that's your expertise. You know how to like, or you could but get, they were like, hire somebody that's where I had to client. clarify. And they're like, no, in your life, like that your whole life is getting 300 clients. I'm like, why can't we get 300 clients in a day? <laughs> yeah. so, so it became like an anthropological mission to understand this industry. Okay, yeah. So curious. Like, why can't we get 300 clients in a day? So, um, so what, what did you find out? Oh, it just takes forever. The technology sucks. Like it's like very arduous. Like costs too much. Marketing costs too much. Everything's to cost too much. And what's a good what's a good client? Well, they would they would say you're not allowed to take on a client with less than half a million dollars. And why? Um, because it's not because worth it's time. you're not going to make enough money to cover the thousands of dollars of marketing costs and service and costs and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so there's just a lot that needed to be overhauled. So you know you're not going to be in this for the long haul. What's do you have a plan? What's your plan? I started a weight loss company. Okay. <laughs> awesome. I was on a cruise and, uh, I think I've heard this story, but please, please go. Uh, there's a magician of some kind. A hypnotist. A hypnotist. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, go, go ahead. So the hypnotist, 
Have you been on a cruise before? I have just once, and it was it's one of the worst stories of my life. But, uh, <laughs> you go, uh, you go with the oars. So they bring on these like entertainers, right? Yes. And they 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 you force do. them to do three shows because yeah. it's a week. Yep. Um, and they only usually have one good show, um, and then they have a mediocre show, and then they have a terrible show because they're forced to do three. Um, so the terrible show in this case was uh, was they were doing the. Well, it wasn't terrible, but like he had the two real cool, like make the audience bark like dogs and quack like dogs yeah. and all that like stuff, and it was pretty, you know, believable. The third one was like how to lose weight using hypnosis, and so he hypnotized the whole audience talking about weight loss and all this stuff. And but at he the couldn't end of prove it, that right away. Obviously, it's a long term. Yeah, but like it's just like how it would work and the theory okay. of it and yeah. stuff. And at the end of it, there's this lineup down the hall because they always sell like musicians sell their CDs yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So he's lineup down the hall. Everybody wants selling this. these like hypnosis audio CDs. For $150. Like a, a 150 bucks pop, and of course, it costs nothing to make a CD. And there's a lineup to buy these, and it's just him, like, recording this, like, essentially podcast about how to be yeah. interested in doing healthy things. And so I wait till the line's gone, and I'm like, hey, you ever sell these on the internet? And he's like, on the internet? We're on a cru- I live on cruise ships. There's no internet. <laughs> like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Like, I, don't, I don't even have a computer. And I was like, well, just, like, give me the discs, and I'll uh, see if I can sell them on the internet for you, and if I can... Like, you know, we'll make millions of dollars and like there's a 99% chance it's not going to work and in which case you'll make nothing. Yeah. And he was like, all right, I'm in. So we, we started Hypnotic Dose. and So you, the website called Hypnotic, Hypnotic Dose? It was called Hypnotic Dose, yeah. And it was okay. a ripoff of the acai berry cleanses that I was telling you yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so we ripped off the design and how that all worked. But instead of like pills that you got in the mail, it was hypnosis. And I felt good about it. It actually worked. I lost like 30 pounds. Uh, you, you did this. Weight loss hypnosis. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it makes a lot of, I'm not going to get into why it makes a lot of sense, but no, it, it but works. <laughs> I, you um, know, I guess, yeah, there's probably some, some good reasons. And, uh, so you were able to sell this. So because of the acai berry wave, yeah. um, the gatekeepers to all the online marketing stuff is all, it's all Visa and MasterCard. Oh, ah, okay. Right. So if they don't like what you're doing, they shut you down. Cause that's how everybody pays for things. Right. Yeah. So if you get 2% of your, of your transactions, call Visa or MasterCard and say these guys are fraudulent okay. um, and they do a chargeback. Yeah. If you get 2%, then you get banned. You should shut down right? your merchant account. If enough businesses with the same business model get banned, they blacklist the industry. Interesting. So I learned this the hard yeah. way after building the entire website. Okay. And they, and they said, you know, that you're doing weight loss on the internet and it's a rebill, right? Because the pills would always rebill you every month, like a hundred dollars okay, and you yeah. get robbed. Um, and, and, and they're like, we're like, yeah, but like, we're not sending pills in the mail. Like, this is like an audio subscription. They're yeah. like, that's even worse. <laughs> like, what do you mean it's worse? Like, well, if you don't have any proof that you shipped anything, there's no tangible we thing. We can't even like, prove. was it downloadable audio? It was a streaming thing. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. People loved it. No like, we overhead. had clients that loved it. It was great. Yeah. We sold lots through Groupon and stuff and yeah. it worked for people, but we couldn't do a rebill. And subscription services and all that, like that's why those those business models work is because you can make your money. The the cost per acquisition will be exceeded by the six month mark or the twelve month mark on the revenue, but you're never going to exceed it on acquisition, like on the on day one. Um, but uh, but they were like, you know, you have to do a straight sale campaign. So it was like we had to sell it for eighty bucks up front and never charge them again. And there's no way we could spend eighty bucks or less in marketing to do that. Like the the unit economics. Yeah, just didn't yeah. Work. So. This is not working out, so you got to shut this one down. Yeah. Now you're working as a, still working as a financial advisor. Right. The reason we talked about all this stuff is because you have to understand Eric's mind <laughs> to understand that like the light bulbs are going off all the time, and the mm-hmm. only way to get to the the light bulb that sticks is to do it so much. Mm-hmm. 
because otherwise you you would have been like uh, I can't do this nobody can do this and you wouldn't have tried because you wouldn't have tried and failed so many times and now so now you kind of have this superpower of building a business trying <laughs> of, of trying something of all well, yeah. of failing yes but I mean you know you're failing but you're also just you're learning as you go right mm-hmm. so this idea comes up and and uh, what was it so this was yeah we're right on time so we had this idea that we can get people to give us their information over the internet to build a financial plan yeah and uh, so we we built that well how did that come up well, after two years of studying this at Wood Gandhi and, and you thought, saw that it was all bullshit, just understanding what they were doing, it's not that it was bullshit. It's just like, what are they doing for their high net worth clients that's working, and how can we use technology to emulate that and make it work for people who are not the wealthiest of the wealthy? And how can we do that in a way that's still affordable and have a business that's, that's viable that can flourish? And uh, and the answer is that you got to build financial plans for people. So they understand what they need to do. Yeah. And then you have to help them do it. Ahead of time. Early. Yeah. Right? Not when they already have 500000 or more dollars. Correct. Yeah. And it's so, almost pointless then. Right. And the technology didn't exist. And yeah, so okay. we, first we said, well, can we get people to do it? So we built this form and people were filling it out and, and, and giving us all their information and saying, I want a plan. We couldn't actually build the plan at that point using technology. So we were building them offline and testing it out. And I started selling the idea. This is in 2012 that we need to do this. We need to create a way to actually deliver the plan. So like the world's greatest financial planning software, and we need yeah. to build a way to invest their money and, and set them up with insurance and do their mortgages for them and do it all under one roof. And, uh, and they would tell them like people I was pitching, they would say like, that's like what a bank does. Like, what are you going to do? Start a bank. Like you can't just start a bank. And, uh, and so so we didn't. We couldn't do it. <laughs> this is all just right now. It's all just crazy ideas, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. What made you keep going with it? You know, I didn't. Shutting you down. I went off and I went and started a different company. And I did. A, it was like a socially curated search engine. Okay. And, so you did uh, that one, and then, uh, we, we'll and then we keep started, running through those. Then we started a, a platform for people to to market private in person lessons. Okay, I like that. That's that exists it's called lessons. Now. There's a couple of them now. So there's ones for piano online. lessons. Yeah, there's an interesting one that I'm looking into. Which one? I forget what it's called, but uh, they they they're advertising in classifieds, yeah. which is interesting, or in job job boards, right? Yeah. And it's just you sign up. Yeah, that's yeah. what we did. Yeah, so we had thousands of people all over the world. I don't know if it works, but yeah, I do see people from all over the world in the listings. Right. So, but that wasn't sustainable. Well, you saw a thirty dollar lesson. We make three dollars. We can't market that for less than three dollars. You need a lot yeah. of. Um, like organic traffic and it, it did, yeah, it didn't, didn't, it actually could work. All of these ideas could work. We, we actually shut them all down prematurely because we just didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And the unit economics are actually attractive. We just weren't instantly profitable. And if we weren't instantly rich, then we just shut it down. Because you have kind of quick high standards at this point where you're we don't like, have any money. So. I know how to do this, so I don't have time to, to wait. I don't we didn't have, want to get investors right. and, and so we didn't have the money to seed it ourselves. So. Okay. So you did this. Yeah. So, and any more between, uh, so that's, this is that like gets good, this, three or four years we're going by in this time. Yeah. That technology is a couple of years. So now we're in 2014. Okay, 15, yeah. 2015. And robo advisors are coming. That's when out I met Wealth Simple. Okay, yeah. Right. And so we, we were in their office. It was a meetup, and uh, and we just I learned what they were, and I was really excited about it. And yeah, it was really cool. Probably when I joined. And uh, <laughs> as a yeah. client. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, what? Free money? Free five thousand dollars? It sounds awesome. great. Yeah. And the robo advisor concept was solely brand new, and it but it was just what I was looking for at the time. It's like. 
wow, you know, I just had to pay deferred sales charges to get all my crap out, mm-hmm. you know, from whatever and into Tangerine or whatever I did. I forget now. And now they're doing this for cheap and there's, I can take my money in and out and nobody's holding it hostage. Mm-hmm. What is happening? Right. Yeah. So you're inspired by this. Yeah. It was great. It was great, except I was disappointed that they weren't doing more for people. Like it was just investing. Yeah. So like if they're really kind of bragging about how they're getting young people into investing, right? Which yeah. is the thing that I wanted not, to solve as well. Not bad, yeah. Um, but when you, when you have $100 a month for the first time in your life because you paid off your student debts and you got your first job and you got your first apartment, like... The most important thing is your, your, the most valuable asset you have is your ability to make a million dollars in the next couple of decades, mm. not your hundred bucks a month. So you need to yeah. get the right critical illness insurance, disability insurance. Yeah. So there's just more to it. Like why, why aren't they getting that advice? Why aren't they getting that, that kind of product? No, I didn't get that until I started talking to you guys. And mm-hmm. then it made so much sense. Like, yeah, of course, like something happens to me. I don't have any earning potential anymore. It doesn't matter how much I saved up. It's all going to be used. Mm-hmm. So like I just, the more I thought about it, the more the insurance bit made more and more sense. And of course, a lot of us had it in our work, mm-hmm. not critical illness necessarily, but disability and life and some life insurance in there. So yeah. everyone feels protected. They feel protected so that it, it's a false sense of, feeling protected yeah. the group benefits thing is dangerous like the canada pension plan like you're not yeah. gonna retire on that people do feel protected with right. that like oh i'll be good right and it's like with like with the robo advisor like you put your hundred bucks in and or your ten thousand or your five thousand dollars or whatever it is you pat yourself on your back go back to watching netflix and it's yeah. like you haven't solved your retirement like i mean it is better than nothing but it's more not, to it. there's a lot more to be done yeah right so you want to do something a bit more yeah. So now you're revisiting the idea from, from years ago. Yeah. And it's like, they did it on investments Yeah, and like no one really knew what they were doing there and like they figured it out and that was inspiring. That's right. Yeah. And uh, like no slant against them. I didn't know what I was doing either. Like I it was just inspiring that I could no, probably do it. No, they paved the way uh, a lot regulation wise too for a lot of things. Like they had to just dive in there, right? Yeah. I think they made it more difficult oh, really? in the regulatory space because they they made some mistakes with what they were doing. Okay. So, okay. So the regulators here are more strict now than most other countries oh, because of that. But, uh, but we, we, you know, we went through nine months and 500 business model changes to get approved. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> but it was inspiring. And so I, I thought, you know, maybe we could do this for insurance. Maybe we could do it for mortgages. Maybe we could you know, create the financial planning engine. And because and, you uh, knew it had to be holistic. You knew the, that yeah. you had this concept in your head from what you saw in your financial planning, uh, financial advisor Nobody days. knows what they need to do on a monthly basis to maintain their lifestyle in the future, whether it's retirement, putting yeah. your kids through school, getting sick and not being able to work, whatever it is, pretty much everybody experiences a lifestyle decline. Yeah. Um, and so you need to know what to do. You need a plan for that. No one's giving you a plan for that unless you're the richest of the rich. Um, yeah. So we need to build, build a system that could tell people what's absolutely in their best interest. That's the talk track. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, but no, but it's true. That's yeah. the thing, right? That's why it became the thing that you say, mm-hmm. because it's, it's very true and it's concise and it makes a lot of sense, right? Everyone thinks that they know mm-hmm. they don't. And so you start, you already have a, a group of people interested in this already that you're talking to, you're working through brainstorming. So I have, I have Scott, who yeah, I've yeah. built he's, all of those. All of these, Scott's today. been here yeah. in the back. Scott is actively involved or he's since funding weekly, since or weekly indie, he's, he's making stuff Yeah, and he's working uh, in the oil industry yes. at this point. So he's, yeah. it's like, 
he <laughs> Scott's going to be just fine, right? And you know, does uh, he doesn't even need the money that's being made in this? Like doubt, doubt no, it. He was making so much money, and his like wife is also an engineer forget, at the yeah. same place, making so the same money. They're in Alberta at this they're point, killing it, yeah. killing it. And so this is something fun for Scott, correct? Yeah. Uh, but you're trying to, this, you is, need, this is your thing, life. Yeah. You need to say, you're like, but it's not like he's not taking it seriously. But if it's like, if something doesn't go well, it's like, nobody's going to yell at him. He's good. Yeah. Right. So for those, for those like multiple years, Scott's household income was 10 times my household income. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and you guys, were you always like 50 50 on things or on, on all those, like just where it was just he and I testing something out? Yeah. yeah we were always 50 yeah, 50. Yeah. On exactly. Those. And when you started, when you put the group together for Planswell, mm -hmm. you needed more than just the two of you guys. Right. So you assembled uh, your team of uh, what are now the founders. Yeah. Our weak spot in all our businesses was usually on design because okay. neither of us are super yeah. like art people. Um, so we, we had, uh, so we found Michael, our, our, our CMO yeah. now, and uh, we found another guy um, who could help out. Uh, with fundraising and knew more about the insurance industry and okay. um, started to build a team of people that were just really pumped up about this yeah. and uh, and thought we could make it happen. And we got started, that was the end of 2015, it was a lot of chats about that. Early 2016, we started raising money because this is one where, like all the other ones, we, we died because we could, didn't raise money. Yeah. To the end. Because you didn't want to? I didn't want to. I didn't want to, I never wanted to lose somebody money. I've never lost an investor a dollar. Yeah. Um, that's really important to me. But what was different about this one? This is one that you we had to raise money. This is like a multi-million dollar To be bill. able to do... So you guys decided what you wanted to do to build this thing that was, is not impossible because Well Simple had started something. Yeah. But sort of impossible because no one had done this yet. Right. And the engine, the technology that we had to build, like to replace the human intuition yeah. involved in making a plan, yeah. cost millions of dollars. We filed like 13 patents on We're it. Like just it was, coming into play at this point. Just becoming possible with machine learning right yeah it's, it's not it's not even that it's just the amount of work is incredible okay. and then um it's called an expert system so okay, it's, a, yeah. it's a form of ai but it's uh but yeah anyway so there's a lot of work we knew it was going to be a lot of work and it was going to be like we have to build an entire mortgage brokerage and insurance brokerage and, and robo advisor all and like it's a big, big yeah thing. Everybody able to build it all in so we start raising money early 2016 it's going well I start building a team and that's that's two years ago and over two years, we got up to 55 staff and... And people who just have to believe, they're just believing you, that they believe in you, right? Like, I, how does someone get money? Is it, it's trust? It's, like, it's a very palatable story. So, all of the other businesses that we've got into, like, there is not a lot of people that have gotten rich in the weight loss hypnosis space. No, yeah. Not a lot of people have gotten rich selling private lessons. Not a lot of people have gotten rich on independent music. So, like, it's... There's not a lot of people to draw money from to fund those things. Yeah. There's quite a few people that have gotten rich in the financial industry in Toronto, if you yes. didn't notice. So for every one of those towers, there's like thousands of multi-millionaires in them yeah. that you can run around to and talk to. But what's interesting is, is you know, you're doing, obviously, you're, you guys are all doing this so you can make a living. But you're also, that you're solving this problem, mm -hmm. right? And you're solving a problem sort of in the other things too. I mean... Affiliate marketing, you're not really solving a problem. Mm -hmm. It's just, this is money, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But this Plansville seems different than all of this, than all of the other previous ones. Yeah. Like you're cleaning people's windows. Yeah. That's solving a problem and mm -hmm. it's something people need. 
but this is solving a problem that people have been telling you that like it can't be solved mm-hmm. for years. And that's, mm-hmm. I feel like that that's driving you. Yeah. At this. It's, a, it's a meaningful improvement to society. Yeah. Um, but if you like it, it's all like it's always been, you know, how big of a business can we build? How much impact can we have? How much value can we create? Um, and I don't think that, I don't think you can be like incredibly successful without solving major problems for people and really like helping people with their lives. Yeah. You can be like upper middle class, like robbing people with some scheme or like doing some like selfish thing. But like, if you're going to really make it, you gotta, you gotta be helping people. And, and if you do decide to do that, there's going to be everybody telling you that you can't do it. Everybody's going to stand in your way, right? Otherwise, otherwise everybody would have solved this problem already. It's, it's almost like it is, it has to be an unsolvable problem. Yeah. For you to even begin. Yeah. It doesn't have to be unsolvable. It just has to be. In their opinion. Like, I just need to be able to, like, to be arrogant enough to think I can do it better. And, like, <laughs> so, like, me showing up at Wood Gundy. Yeah. Where everyone there is making, like, a million dollars plus per year. And yeah. I've been doing it for, like, 20 years. And I'm showing up and I'm, like, 24 years old. I'm the only guy in 15 years that's been hired without a degree. Yeah. And I get there and I don't know what I'm doing. And, and like, I'm walking around going like, I'm going to like revolutionize the industry. Like that's <laughs> like a delusional like state, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. So yeah. It's but, bit... but it's necessary. It's always like, it's like you're missing something, the fear part in your brain. <laughs> the thing that we need to talk about is the, it's not conclusion, but the current situation of it is this exists. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you built this company. And I mean, people, even as you were doing it, even as you were testing and every people could have still said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but you, you did it Mm -hmm. and it's only going to get better. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So you, you just, you had some, you had some funding when you started out Mm -hmm. enough to carry you for a certain period of time. Was it, was it time-based or just like resource space you knew that it would only last you to a certain point how does the first like how do you know that you're going to get to where you're going to get before the money runs out you can you could do forecasting it's actually yeah. quite easy to do forecasting when you don't have any revenue okay it's just yeah. forecasting your spend exactly well this is um, going to decline slow <clears throat> quickly or slowly yeah we, we had we had two major financial crises in the last two years like one was from the one of our original co-founders wasn't communicating effectively with the rest of the team about what the activities were going on with it when it comes to raising funds and we the rest of us were not involved in it and we weren't like really given access to leaving that person to to do that trusting them and it it didn't kind of so it didn't work out the way that it was supposed to we thought we had a lot more coming in and it didn't come in and uh and we ended up hiring as if we had the money because the rest of us actually thought we did and so we found out that we didn't. And so we were, that was in November 2016. We were in a really tough spot through to March 2017 when we finally raised $3 million. So that caught us up a bit. Uh, so then we started hiring again and did, did quite well, built out the product. Everything was, was coming together by around November 2017. Uh, again, in November, uh, December, we were kind of like low on cash. We were actually supposed to close on a, on a $2 million uh, round and that fell through. And then another $1 million round fell through. And why uh, are they falling through? What, what did they give you reasons? Did they? It, uh, so one was a, as a strategic investment where the board of that company, uh, the management team was like strongly for the investment and mm-hmm. then the board turned it down and that was pretty upsetting for I them, see. I think. And, um, and then another one was uh, an investor who had to pull together a few other investors to come in with them. 
and they really wanted to be able to do that and then they couldn't pull it off uh, with the valuation. They weren't able to sell the story well enough. No one, no one's ever been able to sell our story the way that like we can do it ourselves. Yeah. And it was our, it was our problem because like our mistake, because I, when somebody says we're going to do it, like it immediately takes this massive stress off and it makes you relax and makes you uh, stop pitching people. And you're and like, that's otherwise that's what you do most of the time is yeah. you're trying to either raise money or sell the product. Yeah. Right? And it's an amount, it's an immense amount of work to get a multi-million dollar round put together. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you think it's going to happen, it always then takes like a month or two of, of, of minutia and crap and due diligence and stuff before it actually closes and nothing's yeah. closed until it's closed but in that period you're like oh i'm not going to continue like busting everything to, yeah because to i gotta at least wait to see what the result of this yeah because you're fairly confident it's going to close no, is, so is in it, those is two cases is it like is it just so disappointing when it doesn't happen in or those you just two cases back, i, I wasn't back. like delusional about it closing like I, I was still working on other stuff so when they didn't come through like it was like whatever we're still working on it um but money started to really run out december january february yeah march and yeah so in those months we were we were pulling together like the bottom of the barrel kind of investments anywhere we can get them fifty thousand dollars here twenty thousand dollars there even though we're burning like four hundred thousand dollars a month and everybody's just this is all the founders chipping in so the founders like none of our founders are are very wealthy so we like we have credit card space like i racked up a hundred and something thousand dollars of credit card debt in like two months and and is this a, is this, do you think this is a common thing in startups? Do you know? Like, is this... I heard that Airbnb, you remember hockey card collecting and you have those like plastic sleeves for the cards okay, in, yeah. in a binder? Sure, yeah. I heard a story that Airbnb had a binder of credit cards of all the maxed out credit cards they had in the oh, sleeves. Oh, wow. When they were starting. Yeah. Because I, if I remember their story early, they had to go above and beyond and they would like, try to stand out and spend tons of money on this and that, but maybe they didn't have the yeah. funding because you got to differentiate yourself. Right? Well, they funded their company by selling Obama Cheerios during oh, the election. Okay. Yeah. 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 So this is, it's not uncommon. And, but like, is, are people freaking out? I would think, point? I would think most, most entrepreneurs would tell you that our story is worse yeah. than theirs. Like but it, you've already got funding and it's just like, there must be a thing. Like, it's like uh, putting out a, a great first album and then you got to follow up with the second one. Mm-hmm. It's the pressure is on. And we're only talking about this because the money came through yep. <laughs> for the second. <laughs> I don't, we might be having a different conversation. Yeah. Right. We're talking about affiliate marketing. You ended up getting how much approved and, and paid. So we raised another like couple million dollars in small pieces over the course of like six months. And we just, we just cashed a $4 million check. Okay. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago from a whole bunch of different people or the like four, 4 million was from one source. Yeah. One source. Yeah. And this is just, you just keep going to different people and saying and telling your story. And eventually somebody is like, yeah, I believe in, I believe in this. Mm-hmm. I see what you guys have done and I know that there's a future. It's a, it, it's a lot of trust though. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you make sure that that continues? Like, is there, there's a field, there's a lot of pressure on. There's always a lot of pressure. Yeah. But that's what you like. There's that. less pressure once the check clears. Like, there's, <laughs> there's like a moment yes. of relief. Yeah. I think like you're, it's, you're, con- I'm constantly selling. Like my main job is, is selling to investors and sometimes selling to employees and like new hires. Sometimes hopping on the phone with clients and smoothing out 
like mm-hmm. people who are upset or whatever. But, but like until now, mm-hmm. you've always focused on making sure like that you're making more money than you're spending, mm-hmm. right? But in order to build this company, you had to sort of let that go, right? Because like the commissions or whatever that you will get from the products that are sold uh, after the free financial plan, like even if people use you, mm-hmm. to be able to provide this free product, you had to take the probably the biggest chance that you've ever taken, mm-hmm. right? And then you not you and just you, but everybody else who put money in. And, and uh, what like why do you think everybody was just so everybody believes really believes in this? I think like the mission is just mm. like it's obviously needed. I think everyone yeah. can relate to. Everyone yeah. knows a senior citizen whose life sucks. Yes. Yeah. That's what we're solving. Yeah. We're solving so that you're not going to be that like crappy life absolutely senior citizen like that's yeah it's so it's so simple and it's so uh so obviously needed and it it literally does not exist anywhere in the world like i just got back from traveling multiple countries and Mm -hmm. um this doesn't exist and so we're we're currently looking at expanding into like eight different countries through through multiple different uh companies and um, and you just needed somebody to believe in you in in the interim to keep you going so you could grow so you could get to this point yeah. to prove everybody. Yeah. It needed a lot, of, a lot of people to believe in us. A lot of it was like, like delusional kind of belief that we can do this. Like it, it, when you had nothing, like it's a very strange, like there's a mm. Steve Jobs quote about like, you know, the only people crazy enough to um, change the, the world or the only people who change the world are the cr- ones that are crazy enough to think they can. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, we had, we had a lot of great support and that, that came through like a network effect. It was, it was actually quite viral. Our, our investors, uh, typically in, in, introduce multiple additional investors every time, um, they invest. So we have, we have a great network of investors. A lot of them are like former or current C-level executives from the financial industry. Because they are so sick of this, right? They're sick of what yeah. is happening. Well, that's, yeah, like what I was saying about like, there aren't a lot of, multi-millionaire private lesson providers so like no one like it's not an obvious place you can go get investors for lesson no, under but, but this but when yeah this is like the best industry to get investment in <laughs> like, yeah there's more rich people in the financial industry than any other industry so like you know do people need to go through all of the things you went through to to find like should should you just start with the uh the big one or is it are you, I, are you taking it i heard that it's like 90% of businesses fail. Yeah. So I always thought that I need to start 20 businesses because yeah. I'm probably not average. I'm probably worse. But <laughs> well, it's not, I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, you've, you've had some pretty good posts about this on LinkedIn. You did a lot, you went through a lot of stuff before you got to this one. And, you know, and this is, this is the big one. It's, it's not your first rodeo as we, you know, that's what I kind of wanted to everybody to know mm-hmm. is that this is like, you've been through this and this and that. So, you, so every time something comes up, you know, like a challenge, you've probably been through it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's fair to say, like you started when you were 15, 17 doing this stuff with the trucks. Like, does something come up where you're just like, I, I, I bet you never say like, we can't do that. You just try to find a way, right? There's a lot. Like I, I, I feel extremely lucky that um, I have a lot of random experiences and so they get they get pulled in a lot mm-hmm. um like just like today they, there there's somebody asking about building a certain type of list of data entry and stuff and it was like we did 
we did like, anyways we, like you can connect the dots between like a business you started like yeah. 14 years ago and like this little thing that you did with this outsourced laborer and whatever that like, you just know how to do it um you don't have to spend a ton of time figuring out new stuff um but by no means do i know everything like i'm definitely learning so much every no, for day. sure and you got a good team and and you know everybody's but it, it does like i mean good leadership is important right mm-hmm. and it's important because people are trusting in you really to lead the ship you and the other founders of course everybody has who has their expertise i just feel like if you didn't have all this it, it this is a case for for taking taking risks early mm-hmm. and learning lessons early so that when you get to the point where you know like this this really means something to you this company Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the weight loss thing didn't work out, whatever. It's not, there's not a lot of stake there. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stake in this. So you want to be ready when you get there. When you get to your plans well or you're changing the world idea, you want to be ready. And I, I think there's a good case for that in your experience. Yeah. I think like, I think if you ever, if you ever know what you're doing, then then maybe you're wasting your time. Like maybe you're doing, you're doing something redundant. Yeah. You're doing something repetitive. Like I, I, it's I actually, yeah. I actually don't know what I'm doing most of the time. Like the, you're this, figuring it out. The stuff that I know how to do, like from all the past businesses, yeah. like those are all things that are done by other people in this company. That's right. Yeah. Like the stuff that I do, and in you this can company, advise them on that. Yeah, yeah. That's helpful to teach yeah, people like sure. off the cuff, like, you know, best practices and stuff. But the stuff that I do is all stuff that I've never done before. And I have no clue what I'm doing. And I make it up as I go. Always growing. And, and people are afraid of that right people like we talked about security people feel safe doing the same thing over and over because um risk has been told to us as something being something bad mm-hmm. risk is bad and if you if you do something wrong it's bad right um like you're never going to grow all of this is about take chances what's the what's the worst that can happen like what is what is the worst thing that has happened to you is is it this recent putting hundred fifty thousand dollars on your credit card like financially no, the worst, the worst, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, did we skip over the worst? What was the worst one? Yeah, let's just, let's just give people the worst case so that, you know, they it know. Was in 2014, yeah. um, it was, uh, there was a, a business that I got involved in that was uh, manufacturing sapphire to be used in, so it's using like watches and like, okay. the, the, when you check out of the grocery store, they smash the can of peas on the, on the little laser thing and it doesn't break and you're like, no one ever knows like it's oh, not breaking. Yeah, it what's, be, what's it made of? It's yeah. made of sapphire. Amazing. Um, okay. Sapphire can be used, uh, for phone screens if you had enough of it. Yeah. Okay. And they wouldn't yeah. break anymore. So Apple invested all this money in this company and I was getting involved and I was investing in it and I was like very leveraged and, um, they ended up declaring a, a surprise bankruptcy. Oh man. Um, and it was all fraud and the, the software they're making was garbage. Oh. Was, um, so I lost $200,000. <laughs> In, uh, wow. in, a, in, a, in a month, basically, but all, most of it basically in one day. Okay. Um, that was, that was the worst I've so, ever felt. So, okay, but <laughs> you recovered from that and how? Yeah. So if that trade had gone the way that I thought it was going to go, yeah. I would have made, uh, several million dollars. Yes. And this is, I was all in. Like I, I yeah, really had, like, I had a wow. hundred, hundred to two hundred thousand dollars and I lost all. Well, of good it. lesson for not putting all your eggs in one basket, but please go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I would have made millions of dollars, yeah. but I would not have started plans well and I would not have done a whole bunch of other stuff in my life. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I would have been sitting there trading my own portfolio and it yeah, was, you would, well, I feel like your life would have got a little boring. Yeah. Right. So my, 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 
my net worth today is better than what I would have done had I even got that right. And that yeah. would have blocked me from so many other things. So it all, everything you're going to figure out like something to do with your life and you're going to be happy about it. And then you're going to look back and say, I'm, I'm, I'm glad all those things happened yeah. because otherwise I wouldn't be where I am. Like, you know, you, I guess made a mistake if we want to call it that, you know, like I went through a near bankruptcy, uh, you know, you get, you get through this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And, and it makes you the person that you are. Mm -hmm. And I just want us to let go of that, that failure is failure. It's not yeah. really, it's not like failure is such a bad word and sales is such a bad word too. And we need to get out of this yeah. mentality. Like it's okay to, to sell yourself. It's okay to do something wrong and learn from it. Like it's almost, that's life, mm -hmm. isn't it? Well, I, so I have three kids now. Yeah. Under the age of four. Um, oh, <laughs> and every time we go to the playground in my mind, I think, I hope they get hurt so that they learn. And it's not because I'm a sadistic <laughs> asshole like, and I don't hate my kids. It does sound kids, a little weird that when you say that, but right? I, I hope that they're going to take some kind of risk. I hope they're going to fall. Mm. I hope they're going to break their arm at some point. Like I look forward to, to those learning experiences. Let them jump in the puddles and get dirty. Let them climb in the trees. Let them yeah, do I don't the want things. them to get. I don't want them to die. No, I don't want them to become permanently disabled. No, later on in life, I don't want them to become incarcerated. But like, other than those three things, like, I want everything to happen to them. Take it to the edge. You took it like probably to the edge of the law when you were doing the the truck deliveries, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Customs coming in and stuff. Yeah, you're right. Right, we play it so safe these days. And I'm not recommending everybody do this, but if, you know, like if you have a, take a chance sometimes, you know, that's where you get opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's when you get the ideas. That's when you get exposed to something like, wow, I need to change this. And you know that you can, and you're driven to do it. If you never do it. Yeah. It's uh, well, I think we, uh, yeah, we got over an hour and a half. That's uh, this might be the longest one. Nice. <laughs> but you have a lot. You have a long story, and I think it's interesting. And I hope everybody else does too. So uh, thanks for sitting with me for this long, Eric. Thank you. And, Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I guess we planswell.com. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was the 15 seconds of the thing. Nice. I think we said the name of the company before. Planswell.com. Go get yourself a free financial plan, and, and Eric will and his team will take it from there. Yeah, awesome. Thank cool. you. Thank you. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can subscribe. If you're already a subscriber, please let me know what you think of the show. You can email me at bo at bowhumphreys.com or tag me on Twitter at bowhumphreys. It would be nice to know who's out there and who's listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Personal Finance Show. Next week will be the first episode of my Australian personal finance series with my guest, Kylie Travers.